You know, I know a saviour who walks on water. Those waves, nothing to him. He was the one who was without sin, who's perfect in the eyes of God, the embodiment of God's love. And friends, perfect love casts out fear. This morning, here now, just know that there is nothing that you need to fear. Your Saviour, your Lord, cast that out and he says, live in the confidence of my life in you. I don't know what you are carrying, what burden you feel is heavy, what worry you are future projecting. But right now in this moment, the Lord is present and live in that freedom. I know that your mind will catch you again at some time and then leave it say, Lord, take it. But at least in this moment, bask in the presence of the peace of God here within us and around us. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you call us out of the everyday into the sacred place. You take us with our dusty feet and the busyness of our lives and you draw us together into a sanctuary where we are together in a deep way in your presence as a gathered people of God. Lord, we bring to you the anxious moments, the worries that we have. We lay them at the foot of your cross And with those arms which are now empty, come and fill us again as the Prince of Peace. We just breathe you in here for a moment, our God. We just rest for a moment, knowing that you are in control. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Set us free. Let us walk with you on top of the waves. Praise you, God. Minister your good grace right now. Praise you, Lord. Your perfect love come to us. Living Saviour, a resurrection life. Praise you, our God. We lift our eyes to you. We look deep into your wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and your grace. Come, our God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise and glory and honour to you. In Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father, meeting with us through the power of your Spirit. We praise you. We praise you. We're not going to say amen because that feels like it'll bring that to a close. We'll keep it open. Keep working amongst us, our God. Please be seated.
We are in the final week on our study on Romans. This is just sad. We have spent almost 16 weeks in this, beginning in May. Remember that time? All that time ago? And this is bringing to a conclusion this incredible study. I think we could have doubled this quite easily. We spent already a semester. We should have done a full year. All graduated. There's so much in it. And even with what I'm saying today, I feel like I'm just going to be rushing through it. But I pray that God will just reveal wonderful truths again to us. Paul has had us on this incredible journey, diving into doctrine, building us as his people, revealing the incredible gift that Jesus is to the people of God, and then the incredible gift that we have that we can keep on growing and renewing our minds and being transformed, and the unbelievable idea that there are spiritual gifts that each one of us can share and then be a gift to others. It has been just an incredible ride. I just want to let you know that we have been thinking ahead a little bit about where we go from here. Because it goes, we're going to, guess what, we'll be back next Sunday. And we just believe that the Lord is leading some really good things coming on. You know, the Word of God, the Scriptures, this book will remain. It will outlive us. It will stand firm. It will continue to be the measure by which all other thinking will be put against. It is the book that most other literature has actually sprung from. It is the foundation on many of the values that we live by in our culture, and it will be timeless. It has been pulled apart, studied, but it has always remained this collection of books coming together as the canon, revealing the measure of who God is that we're growing into, and then this understanding of how we should function as people. It is an incredible gift. We have this as a sacred text that is the foundation on which we stand. And to be able to keep diving into it and chewing on it is just wonderful. So as we kind of work through, looking ahead, like Scott said, we're going to have this series called Koinonia, looking at Acts 2, uh, 42 to 47, the distinctives of Christian uh, life together. And then we're going to go into a few weeks looking at the distinctive of the DNA upon us as a church. We have four values here and we're going to look at those because they've been holding us together and they continue to be the pillars by which we stand against. And then we're going to have this incredible time where we're going to have about five weeks in a series called Praise Him. And we're going to unpack what it looks like to be a people who are devoted even more in a way that we are able to praise God and and lift up holy hands and, and grow in our intimacy as we get a glimpse of the magnitude of God. It's a series called Praise Him. And then guess what? It's going to be Christmas. As you get older, it feels like Christmas comes around twice a year. It just, it's there. And we're going to have this series, and it's going to base a little bit on this whole idea of surprisingly familiar. Christmas is familiar, but it is surprising still that the God of the universe would come and meet with us in the form of a babe, but then become the saviour of the world. So it's going to be Advent. And then... Through January into February, that's going to be summer. How good's that? Who got a little bit of sun yesterday? 
who put their back to the sun and warmed up a little? Put your hand up. If you did, exactly. Beautiful. There's going to be lots of that. And this is your opportunity to put us preachers on the hot spot because we're going to have six weeks answering the questions that you've always wanted to ask. Anonymously, you're going to be able to put them in and we're having a series called Hot Questions. And then I'm going to sort them through and the really hard ones are going to go to Scott and Dean and I'm going to sit there and go, you guys are doing a good job with that one. Right? And then we're going to be into Lent leading up to Easter and we're going to have this incredible study on the mission of Jesus, his purpose, what he was about, some of the ways leading up. And then, of course, we celebrate Easter, uh, which is always this time where we, in solemn celebration, give thanks to the work that God has done for us in Jesus Christ, his death and in his resurrection. And then we're going to pick up the next two terms on a series called The Good and Beautiful. And it's going to be working through this way in which we have a good and beautiful God, a, beautiful, a good and beautiful community and a good and beautiful life. And it's based on some books which you'll be able to get into. There'll be studies which go with it. I know I'm talking about a year in advance, but hey, seems good to the Holy Spirit. Share it with you. And it's going to be this beautiful time right through there. And then because you're feeling so good about everything, we're having a series called Stone the Prophets. And, uh, you know, you don't want to get too settled and... Uh, and uh, we're going to be then moving towards Christmas again. Uh, so are you ready for another full year of good stuff? This is what happens, right? We have the Word of God and our preaching and our gatherings on Sunday, and these move along at this beautiful God-ordained pace as we listen in to what God is doing and calls us to obedience. And we, this is the central place where we come together to be built up as God's people. And then through that, we have these ministries which orbit it, right? The ways in which we are God's people serving together as this body moves forward. And these things kind of ebb and flow and rise up, but we came, worship, we study God's word and we pray and we move forward while we have this orbit going on of all these kind of ministries rising up and falling and getting involved and so on, and that's kind of how it goes. This is kind of the, the core driver. This is like the River Murray and its main tributaries. And then we have all these other tributaries coming off of it. That was a fresh image just there, so it's kind of only half right. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Are we ready for the word? Okay, open up your Bibles to chapter 16 and... You can look at it on your devices. I'm looking from the ESV version and uh, so on. Paul is wrapping up this great work that he has been doing. It is a book which has been, a letter which has been written to the church at Rome from Corinth as he's there with his team. And it is this coming together of the people, I guess, that he's envisioning as he's been writing this letter, coming alive in him. We go right back to the very beginning of Romans chapter 1, verse 7, and he says, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. So he kind of just groups them all in this, in this group of saints. You're loved by God, and, and this is the group that you are. You are the pillars of your church. In that, you become the pillars of your community. You are the saints. And he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what you are to be defined by, peace and grace. 
as these saints. And then as he writes this letter, it's almost like he's got these people in mind. Who are these saints? He knows them. And then when we get to chapter 16, it's like, oh, this, I've got to list them all. I've, I've got to get them all out. I've got to name them all. And we have in Romans chapter 16, in the first few verses, at least 28 people mentioned as he goes about unpacking who they are, these people that he knows. And then in the second part of chapter 16, he lists another eight. This is what we have when we have this thinking from Paul. We have someone who is seen as an apostle. That is, he's got responsibilities over a range of churches. He's been the first one who's kind of planted and got things going. But at his heart, he is about people. He's not about a conquest. He's he's not about building something which he'll just be known for. He's about the people and he knows the people. And so he's got these past his heart. And when we start looking at these names, it's like he says, I I, I know them. I, I, I know what they were like before they met Jesus. Or I know what it has been for them to serve Jesus. And I know how God has been bringing them together as the people of God. He knows them. They are not just faceless people. A letter just written to a group that he has got no idea about. They're written to people who are close to his heart. It's like, I was with you when it was tough. I was with you before you knew Jesus. I was with you when you found yourself set free. I was with you when you broke through. And here's this letter to you. And so he starts to write in such a way that he's just going to list them all. You'd be thinking, wow, how am I going to fit this all in? These names of real people who have been transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ, who have come to know the love of God and have become fellow co-workers in the gospel, pillars in the community, serving together. And he knows them by name and he knows their back story. In 16 verse 1 he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sencry, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. What we have here is someone who has taken this letter, which has been penned in Corinth, dictated by Paul to a scribe, is now bringing this to deliver to the church at Rome. Here it is. Some of the best of my thinking. And, and it's very precious. And, and, and you, Phoebe, you're, going, you're the one who's going to take it. And when you get there, it could be that you're the one who is to share what is in it. You're going to be giving this to them and opening it up. Phoebe, this is really precious. Take this and use it. And what I love about this is that Paul is really open to whoever's got the gifting to be used by God. Phoebe, this woman, you can do it. And you know what? It might be that you need to share the contents of this. Maybe you need to be the one who reads it out. Friends, I firmly believe 
that gifting and calling is beyond gender. That I believe that if you've got a gift and a call, whether you're male or female, you should use it for the glory of God. Phoebe takes this and, and goes on and brings this incredible letter to the church at Rome. And then Paul starts just listing person after person of those that he knows who have been transformed by Jesus. He says, Greet Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. You can read about them in, in Acts. And listen to this in verse 4. Who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. What is Paul thinking of? He says, there was this couple. And when it was really tough, when I was at risk, they stood up and they risked their necks. They didn't retreat. They didn't fall away. They didn't go disappearing in action. When it mattered most, they stood there. And I will never forget the way in which you came loyally to my side. And look, it saved me, but God had a bigger picture because all the churches, as it says there, give thanks for you, for the way in which you stuck your neck out for something which was right, which was good, which was important, which needed to be done. There was no retreating. And he goes on and talks about others who have converted, those who have worked hard. He talks about kinsmen, those who were in prison with him. He says, I know, we were there in that prison. That's in verse 7. And there we still focused around Christ. He says, I keep greeting those of you who are beloved, those who have been approved. I keep greeting those who are the workers, the fellow workers with me. And those who have worked hard. He says, thank you. And then in verse 13, and I'm just saying this because I just think it's awesome. Greet Rufus. What a great name. Chosen in the Lord, also his mother, Rufus says, that's not in the Bible, okay? But who has been a mother to me as well. He remembers their story. He remembers the importance that they played in his life. And then he goes on and greets all the others. And then as we near in the end of that section in verse 16, he says this, and when you come together, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Next week in our greeting. Next week in our greeting, we're going to greet one another. Biblically. And everyone said, you know what? I've got busy next Sunday morning. I've got something on. Here's a Middle Eastern kind of greeting. It was passionate. But it is about, hey, we come together and we greet one another. We don't, don't worry, we're not going to do it with a holy kiss unless you feel comfortable about that and you're related, right? So listen, what is he getting at? He says, these are people. And this is a, a people who have been serving alongside me and they've stuck their net out and the, and the cause has been so great and the way that their lives have been transformed by Jesus matters so much and I've spoken to them, I've written all these things about how to live this way and they matter deeply to me. 
He's just kind of caught up in a moment of affection, I think, as he remembers them all. And as he moves into that next part, starting in verse 17, what we start to get is this sense of, well, if this is so great, if these people are so important, if what we're about is worth sticking your neck out for, for risking someone to get a letter to them, to working together, then what is the thing which will pull this apart? What, what, what will destroy this? What will make it lose its heat? And so he says there in verse 17, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. He says, avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ by their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. I think an unfortunate part of the, some of the chapters written in history about the church is division. This was written some 2,000 years ago and yet we have seen the destruction that division can cause in the life of the church. Here it says, watch out for it in this concluding part of the letter. Division in the body. This is an internal instruction here to the people of God. Watch out. Why do we need to keep watch? At least four reasons. Division in the body erodes trust between people. The body of Christ is built up in trusting God and trusting each other. Division erodes trust. When division occurs, it consumes enormous amounts of energy within the people of God, trying to work it all out. Who's going what? Where's that all going? Thirdly, it tarnishes the beauty of the body of Christ. This people of God has been designed to be beautiful, redemptive, an image of the Saviour, ministering in good grace. And you know what? That is what the world wants to see. And when there's division, they don't see that. It tarnishes the beauty of the people of God. And ultimately, it becomes a significant distraction from the mission, the mission that our Lord has called us to. And so this is why Paul, he says, listen, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles Contrary, listen to the doctrine that you have been taught. That means it's a spiritual work. It's not just about preference. Everything's spiritual in the life of the church, folks. It's choosing what does God want for us, growing in it. So how do you beat division and that which creates obstacles? Firstly, everyone takes on their own responsibility to grow spiritually into maturity. 
That's what it means to know what your doctrine is, what the great purposes are, the wisdom contained in the scriptures, knowing how to be wise in the moment. Number two, avoid those conversations which you think, is this the beginning of something which is divisive? Avoid them. And this is a subtle work that the evil one can do. He never comes out and just plays it straight. What he does is he offers tempting morsels for God's people. Nibble on this a little bit. Oh, oh that's okay. You need a little bit more until it's in this place where you're eating stuff you don't want to be eating at all. It's the little conversation where you go, oh, what do you think about that? It's the little conversation going, well, are you sure this is all? And it happens in the shadows. And all of a sudden it gets to this place where divisiveness starts to occur. There's factions in the body. Avoid these conversations and avoid them quickly, early on. Walk away. Don't get caught up into it. It's not worth it, I can assure you. Number three, align yourself with kingdom vision. Rise above division for a kingdom vision. What is God about? What does he want from us? <coughs> Gather around our values. Keegan, can you just pass me that? Division often comes because someone is looking at their own kingdom. My, my little base, it's, it, it just feels a little unsettled, so I've just got to protect it. We're not a protectionist group, friends. We are a kingdom vision-minded group. How do we give it away? <clears throat> Fourthly, grow in wisdom and play it straight. Divisional talk happens in the shadows. We are a people of the light. We play it straight. We have kingdom agendas. We grow in that way. And number five, major in peace and grace as that scripture finishes up. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You work for peace. Satan has no chance. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. That's what we major in. That's what we want to be known for, to grow in these ways. Paul spends a fair chunk of his last chapter of a magnificent letter saying, be a people who are as one. Work together. The cause is too great to get caught up spending energy in stuff which is not you to spend energy in. Rise above it. Step into a greater future. Trust God. Work together. And so he kind of puts that out there, doesn't he, for us as a warning. So what he's done is he's talked about these people and he's given this warning to them. He said, well, work as one in this way. And then I just think he, he, he steps back and in verse 21, he's sitting there going, you know, I, I, I can vision this church and, and, and I'm saying, look, people matter and, and we know them and, and I'd say to you, maybe you need to keep getting to know people. You kind of get used to the people you know and 
Maybe by October you could get to know 10 other people because that's really important. Or maybe you could enjoy the new people team and get to know a lot more. It was interesting, we had a new people meeting the other night and one of the new people team didn't know the other new person team member. I thought that was just ironic. And we had a people who know each other to step out in that way. But then Paul, like I said, steps back and he goes, how have I got here? Really, how? How? How have I actually got this opportunity to think on these things, to ponder what it means for us to work together as the people of God? And he comes back to these team members that are close to him. Verse 21, Timothy, my fellow worker. And we can read about one, Timothy. Remember, he, he was with his mother and, and, and Paul saw something in Timothy. And he says, hey, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but be an example to all the believers you know, every young person we should say, hey, we want to be inspired by you. You know, be, be an inspiration to us. There's nothing like being inspired by a young person, right? The older you get, the more inspired you want to be by the young people. You've got the energy and the passion, you know, like bring it to us. Timothy, who stayed close, loyal with Paul, a fellow worker. Then he lists a few others, Lucius and Jason and Susipata, my kinsman, it's this sense that we are family together. He knows his team. And they've been working together. I think about some of my team. And I love them to bits and I go, wow, God, I know where they've been. I know what they've gone through. I know how we've worked shoulder to shoulder. I know when they were really not feeling very confident in what they were doing. Or they said, look, I'll just give you this short period of time. Or I said, oh, I've come, but I'm pretty burnt out. Or they were really young and they knew every book of the Bible, but kind of stepped in and I think about the teams and I think about the story that they've had. And I look out across this congregation, folks, and I know your story. I know where you've been. I know the tears we've had together. I know the joys we've celebrated. I know where you've come from. I know where you're at now. And I'm praying like crazy for what is to come for you. I'm no Paul, but I know what a pastor's heart feels like. Paul is working these through. He talks about in verse 22... He allows his scribe to write this letter. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Isn't that interesting that all of this has been coming from Paul, but this one verse, this guy has got his own verse in Romans. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. And I think about the relationship that Tertius would have had with Paul. The long nights talking this through, getting it out, Working together, Paul exploring these concepts of being transformed and renewed, the gift that Jesus is, thinking it through over history, thinking it through how this mystery is now being revealed and it's all clear and talking it through with this scribe who maybe is pushing back saying, is this what you mean? And writing it out by candlelight, getting it all ready, getting it all ready. And Paul says, look, you have journeyed so much with me. I'm just, why don't you bring your own greeting? Tertius, share your greeting. Tertius says, really, can I? Paul says, go for it, man. I think, what is it that Paul knows about Tertius? 
Because it's an interesting name, right? Sounds a little bit like what you have when you travel through school. You have primary, secondary, tertiary. Kind of the, the third. And what it actually is, is that tertius was number three. Tertius was a slave. Tertius was a nobody. Tertius was one, two, you're my third slave. You're number three. You don't even get a name. You get a number. And yet Tertius, who knew a master who would have just had him as a slave, as a number, comes to meet the grandmaster and is known deeply. And I'm going to say, in the kingdom of God, everyone's equal. And this guy finds his life and he comes along someone who Paul was an elite. And Paul says, look, we're all the same under Jesus. And we're going to work together for this great cause because the love of God is not for the elite. It's for all people. You're not a number, Tertius. You're not just a number three. You can bring your greeting and you've worked together with me and you share it. I wonder why the gospel moves in underground ways in countries which have elitist groups. Because the gospel declares that everyone matters to God, that Jesus loves them clearly, that they have dignity and worth and purpose according to the great King of heaven. And the church is the only place that declares this in all the world because everything else tries to layer it up. Who's got the power? How do we access that power? A power of wealth or whatever it is. And here Paul says, Tertius, mate, working with me, you represent that everyone matters and everyone has a purpose and a calling according to the grace of God. Amen. So classic that here Tertius sits in next to, in verse 23, Gaius, who is host to me, the one who is hosting him, and to the whole church, sits alongside of Erastus, the city treasurer. He's the one who would have maybe been the one who had it all. And our brother Claudius greets you. I love how Paul believes without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus' great love is for all people and they can all live together, one under the cross. And friends, we are a ragtag group of people. In our day and age, our church, pulled together as a family, all one in Jesus, serving together, loving one another, people who shouldn't be together, but because we have a one faith, <laughs> together as a family, a little dysfunctional, but a family. And we have teams and we serve together and we're gracious with one another and we're working for peace and we're working for the mission and the church that Christ died for and lives for, was breathed upon by the Holy Spirit, lives on in our generation because we subscribe to something greater, something more, something higher, something more transformational that comes in our life through Jesus Christ our Lord. No wonder Paul is caught up in this gratitude for the people. May it be for us as it is for this church in Rome. 
And with all of this coming together, Paul says, well, all we can do is subscribe greatness to our God. And he comes together with what is called a doxology, which is essentially a summary of praise. It all wraps up giving glory to God. We planned for everyone to have a gift today, but we had so many at the first service, we've kind of run short of the the bookmark. We've got a few left. You can pick them up. Don't worry, we're going to get printed more so everyone can get them. But this is the gift. If God is for us, who can be against us? And on the back, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. We don't do it alone. We do it with the great King of heaven. We do it with each other. Jesus is Lord, and we live in that strength. So this morning, I'm going to invite you to stand, and I'm going to read this doxology over you. It's the longest one in the New Testament. There's 21 of them. And I want you to receive it, that here we are, individual members, but one as the body. And together, we have the great strength of God who is working for us in the great mission he's called us to. Let us stand together. This is from verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel. Hear that? Who is able to strengthen you to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, a proclamation according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith, discipleship. In verse 27, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. Let us pray. Lord, what a high vision you have for us, your people, to work together as one, each of us with our own story of changed lives as we've encountered the grace of Jesus Christ and the great love of God. We are in awe and in gratitude that you would love us so deeply that you would send your son to come and dwell within, filling our hearts steering us forward. Lord, we thank you for the beauty of the church. We thank you for your scriptures, which continue to give us visions of how we can be. And we pray, Lord, that today we would sense your delight and your smile on us, your people. Lord, we give over to you again the story of our lives, the spiritual markers where you intervened, those moments where we're in the scriptures and you revealed yourself powerfully, those moments of worship where we lost ourselves in wonder of you, those moments when the workplace, when it was a bit tough and you comforted us, those moments when the people in our lives would just feel like we were caught in moments of conflict and the peace came, those moments where we're looking around global events going, Lord, it doesn't make sense and you remind us that you are sovereign and then you give us little opportunities to make the world better. 
Lord, we, we thank you that you create for us a regular opportunity to come together. When we've been emptied by the working through the events of the week, you come and you fill us again. Lord, God, what can we more be grateful for? For the hope that we have for eternal life. For the wisdom which is so graciously given to us. For the ministry of Jesus which heals, redeems, restores, returns, reconciles, changes us. Lord, we thank you. And we stand here, God, saying we're not just people existing, but we are your called people, saints. And this is our time. This is our generation. This is our moment to be the body of Christ. To be the gift into this world. So our Heavenly Father, pour out your Spirit upon your people. Grow us in wisdom and spiritual maturity. Keep us working together as one. And Lord, by your grace, by your grace, may we be filled with a joy everlasting because of your presence in our lives and may we have a purpose which calls the very best out of us.